thank you very much for inviting me. Um, so, as we have already heard, um, human social cognition is um, unique. Um, so humans are outstanding in their social cognitive abilities. So what do we mean by social cognition? It's how we understand each other, okay? So how we understand each other's minds, how we understand each other's behaviors, just how we understand each other. And this is because humans can make, in some situations, can make inferences about others' mental states, which, as we already heard, is referred to as uh, we have a theory of mind. So theory of mind these days is used a little bit as a summarizing term for all kinds of things. So like, we understand things about others' visual perception, we understand things about others' knowledge, desires, beliefs, etc. So we can make um, predictions about what others can and cannot see, what others do know and do not know, etc. And we do this all the time. So this is part of our social interaction, and we sometimes can't even help it. This is really part of our social interactions all the time. So one way to sort of study how this evolved um, and uh, look at it from, from, from an evolutionary perspective is to follow a comparative approach and to compare humans uh, with other species. And one very popular comparison is that of humans um, with their social, with their closest living relatives, um, the great apes um, and the other apes. So the idea is that continuities across species are used to understand the evolutionary past. And if a trait exists in all species of a close phylogenetic family, then this trait is likely to have been present in the common ancestor of these species. Okay, so this is why we all have it, because our common ancestor already had it. So this is one way to look at it. So look at our closest living relatives, look at other primates. However, we can also learn a lot from looking at more distantly related species, um, because the idea is that if a certain trait exists in very distantly related species, we can gain valuable insights into selection processes at work during the evolution of these traits. Okay, so if we share um, some traits with distantly related species, then probably something um, um, is similar in the habitat that we sort of both um, adapted to. And so the domestic dog in this comparison is a very interesting species to look at because dogs have been living with us for more than 15,000 years. And one hypothesis is that maybe they evolved some social skills which are sort of similar to ours. Um, so one thing that people have looked at in their attempt to understand what um, other species understand about others is um, to look at what they understand about seeing in others. Okay, so. Um, so do chimpanzees know what others can or cannot see? This is a question that sort of people have asked. Um, and um, so they used the natural uh, situation for chimpanzees, which is competition over food. Okay, so when chimpanzees get together, um, they are not very nice with food. They don't tend to share. They tend to be competitive. And so what you have here is a situation where a subordinate, so a low-ranking chimpanzee, competes with a dominant chimpanzee, so a high-ranking chimpanzee, and they compete over food. And what, what normally happens when these two um, compete is the subordinate chimpanzee has no real chance to get the food, okay? So the dominant will take all the time he needs to get the food. The sub subordinate normally wouldn't even leave his room, so would stay there. But the question was, um, what happens if the subordinate actually has an advantage? And in this case, the advantage is, is that sort of he can see a piece of food that the other one can't see because there's a little barrier, okay? So there are two pieces of food. 
Both are visible to the subordinate, but the dominant individual can only see one piece of food. And the question is, does that change the subordinate's chances? So here's a little video of the situation. So what you'll see is the subordinate chimpanzees, so the low-ranking chimpanzees coming from here. Here you see two areas. There's food behind this um, bucket, and there's food on top of this one. So the subordinate, from his perspective, can see both pieces of food, but the dominant coming from here can only see this piece of food, okay? So now let's see what happens. So the subordinate gets a little head start, so she can make a decision while the dominant is not yet around, okay? No problem there. Okay, so in this situation, <laughs> they're not stupid. So in this situation, chimpanzees clearly understand what the others can or cannot see. Okay, so this is just one condition. There were many control conditions ruling out alternative explanations, but the one that the subordinate in this situation really understands, okay, she can't see that one, so that one's safe. I can go for that one. So the question is, so now keeping in my framework of working with apes and dogs, um, more distantly related species, so what about dogs? Do they understand anything about seeing in others? Do they understand anything about others' attention? Well, the natural social partner for the dog is actually the human, and um, the dog um, owners uh, among you will know that dogs sometimes steal food when they get the chance. Um, <laughs> So this is actually an, an experiment designed on this observation. So dogs steal food sometimes when we are not looking. So the question is, can we really replicate that in the lab? And so what we did is confront the dog with a situation where there's a piece of food um, on the floor and the dog is told not to take it. Uh, so clearly a command not to take the food so you can see from the dog's behavior <laughs> that he got the message, okay? So then what happens is the human sits in the corner and then sort of um, sits there and it depends on the condition what she then does. So sometimes she's very attentive, okay, so the eyes are open and she's really looking um, at the food. Sometimes she's distracted playing a little computer game, which was actually my favorite condition. Um, then sometimes the back is turned and sometimes the eyes are closed. We also tried a condition where the experimenter left the room and I can tell you that from the dogs we tested only one didn't steal the food once, but then for the others they stole it within seconds. Okay, so we looked at how often do they steal the food. Okay, so how often do they take it? So we observed the dog's behavior for two minutes. Nothing happens when they steal the food, so this is not about learning anything. It's simply the question, do they differentiate between these different attentional states? And the answer is clearly yes. So they steal significantly less food when the human is attentive and looking at them compared to all the other three conditions, okay? But it's not that they never steal the food when I'm looking. So this is actually a trial when I'm looking, even though the other camera has my hat and you can't really see it, but I'm looking, I'm attentive. And this is one minute um, in the trial. Um, Mora suddenly decides to do this. Okay, thinking. But then, then when she eats it, she goes like, nah, 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 nah. so it's not really that she's really like, oh. 
Okay, so we saw this sometimes, but so in general, when the eyes are open, when, when we are attentive, um, they don't steal the food or they steal it significantly less. So, but I have to say that um, some understanding of others' attention, some under understanding of others' current visual access to things seems to be widespread in the animal kingdom, okay? So we see that in different species now, and there seems to be an urgent evolutionary function for social living um, animals to sort of evolve or have evolved some of these skills, so understand some of um, others' attentional states, some of others' visual perception. However, if you change the situation just a little bit, so now what you're doing or what you're doing is sort of using communicative cues to direct another individual's attention to some outside entity, which is something that we humans also do all the time. Okay, so we understand others' attention, but we also direct others' attention to things in the environment. And we do that by communicative cues. One cue that we use very often from early on is pointing. Okay, so we point to things. Children do that long before they talk, long before they um, use language. They start pointing and directing others' attention to things in the environment, okay? So here's a situation where sort of the human is sitting with a chimpanzee, and they had two cups in, uh, between them, and the two cups are identical, and there's a piece of food in one of the cups. And now the chimpanzee gets a social cue, a communicative cue, to direct the chimpanzee's attention to the cup with the food, okay? So to help him find the food. And there's gaze alternation, even though, again, you can't see that, and there's a pointing cue, and this is what the chimpanzee does. So she really wants the grape. She gets a social cue to get it, but she ignores the social cue. And she's upset. <laughs> because she doesn't get the food. Okay, so it's not about motivation. She really wants that grape, but the social cue in this situation doesn't mean anything to her. So she's not using it. Interestingly, um, dogs in a similar situation, this is exactly the same setting. So you have a social cue. Um, yeah. The dog doesn't know where the food is and has no problems using this social cue, okay? So we, here we have something that suddenly domestic dogs do that our closest relatives don't even do. And here, if you want to see the data, so here's the data. This is important. We compared this to a control condition where there was no social cue, but still food was hidden. So it's not that the dogs just smelled the food. Okay, I know that many of you will think that, um, but we have this control condition where there's food hidden just like before and there's no social cue, and then the dog can't find the food, okay? So when there's no social cue, they can't find it, so it's not that they can smell it. So this is the data in comparison with the apes that we work with. The dogs really um, did very well, whereas the apes didn't do so well. So I'm interested in both sides of this story, but let's talk about the dogs um, a little bit more today. So, this is not just chimpanzees, so we look at other primates. The story is not that simple. I'm oversimplifying here, so there is. Um, but if you look at primates in general, then they seem to have problems with this, okay? So these social communicative cues in these situations um, do not mean that much to them, or they can't use them, whereas adult domestic dogs have no problem. And even if it gets a little bit more complicated, like you walk towards the incorrect cup, and from there you point to the correct one, the dogs can still do it. Okay, so it's not just about movement, it's clearly about communication. 
So from an evolutionary perspective, the question is, so what about dogs' closest living relative? Could it be that this is a canine thing, okay? So what researchers did, and this is especially the, in the study by Mikloshi um, et al., what they did is they hand-raised um, dogs and wolves, so they took them from their mothers, hand-raised the puppies in the human environment, in their houses, um, and this was a study done in Budapest, so quite a big city, and they took the wolves everywhere, so they always pretended they're German shepherds. Um, <laughs> And they took them to the cinema, to the restaurant, um, you name it. They tried everything they could to really treat them exactly like the dogs. And then they tested them at a certain age, and the dogs did everything like an adult dog does, whereas the wolves didn't. Okay, so it's not that wolves can't learn this. They can if they get special training, then they can't, can get there. Um, but it's still then not as flexible as what the dogs do. Okay, so this is even more interesting now. But you could still say, okay, but it's just about learning. So it's just about, so dogs just learn faster um, and they learn better or whatever. So one thing we need to do is look at puppies, <clears throat> which is the research I like the most. <laughs> so um, what we did is we looked at um, six-week-old puppies. Um, for you who do not know dogs, this is when they are still normally still with their mother. So we made sure that they are still with their mother. So they're not yet in their family, they're not yet exposed to dog training. Um, and also, um, of so those of you who do not have dogs might not know that they sort of open their eyes roughly when they are three, four weeks old. And this is also when they start moving a bit. So six weeks is basically as early as you can work with them. And so we expose the puppies to the same social cues, so it's the same kind of idea. But you will see one difference. I'm going to show you the video in a minute. You'll see one difference. We wanted to make sure that the puppies cannot just be successful by walking towards the hand, OK? So you could say that all the puppies need to do is go where the hand is, because they learned the human hand is kind of important, kind of interesting, and they just walk where the hand is, and then they find the food. And we wanted to make sure that they can't do this. This, this will not solve the problem. And so in this setting, we place the cubs next to the puppy. So what the puppy actually has to do to be successful is move away from the hand. So he sees a piece of food. Then the experimenter is going to touch both cups. And in the end, the puppy doesn't know where the food is. And then gets the social cue. And we compared the exact same um, thing to adult dogs, and the puppies do as well as the adult dogs. Okay, so there was no difference between the groups. And so here now we have our evolutionary picture complete. So it looks as if really um, domestication changed dogs so that they can do this, um, something that even our closest living relatives cannot do. And so the hypothesis at the moment is that dogs have evolved social cognitive skills which are functionally equivalent to those of humans. They're not the same, of course, but they're functionally equivalent. Or as Paul Bloom put it, for psychologists, dogs may be the new chimpanzees. <laughs> Thank you.